Pick your poison. This version of Snoke or Thanos in the new uh, oh. <laughs> Avengers trailer? Oh, man. <laughs> I guess I got to go with Snoke because Thanos looks god awful. I accept your apology. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos looks like a fucking. He looks like a fucking Gungan reject from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> And he's like, oh, my brother. I can't do the Jar Jar voice. But his brother, he was outcast because he was the one fucking purple Gungan. And they kicked him out. And he's like, I'm back. What's up, guys? To the episode. I'm Josh Brolin. Look at my dumb, bald baby face. Applaud here. <laughs> so stupid. Ugh. Everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 484 with a review of Star Wars The Last Jedi. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, it's getting towards the end of the year. End of the year is the time that we get our new Star Wars every year for the rest of time, starting now. Um... Two years ago, episode seven, The Force Awakens. Here we are, two years later, excited, potentially, to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi. Let's start off, guys, by just saying what we thought about The Force Awakens and what, whether we are excited or not moving into this film. Yeah, so funny enough, I think I've never been fully on a Star Wars episode yet, um, even though I saw all of the Star Wars movies, but I think... I couldn't make it to the Rogue One one. I showed up at the very end just to like <laughs> oh, yes. crash that review. You, you didn't make it to our review of <laughs> A New Hope when that first <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I was still too young. Nah. Back when Chris was only 31. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like episode seven, for some reason I missed that too. So I, my feelings about Star Wars are pretty similar to my feeling about superhero movies in general, which is like, I think it can be fun and there's a lot of nostalgia baked into a Star Wars movie, but I don't... I had never really known, like, what it would take to make it be great, right? Like, I thought Episode Seven was perfectly good, fine, serviceable, brought back the nostalgia. It didn't do any damage to my childhood. It was fun. But there's, like... There was just something very self-consciously, like, we're going to throw back to this, and we're going to throw back to that, and, hey, look, Leia. Aren't you happy to see Leia? Look, it's Leia! And <laughs> um, member! <laughs> like, it's just like, it, yeah, like, if I didn't personally feel the member berries, it was just fine. And that was kind of my thought, is maybe Star Wars is just this thing that, for me, will always just be fine now. Because maybe if the original movies came out today, I wouldn't love them. I would just be like, ha, yeah, that's fun. So, yeah. My feeling was, like, it was, it was fine. Serviceable, did a good job. Not as bad as the prequels, but nothing wonderful it didn't make my top 10 list like it did some people in this crowd <laughs> <laughs> all right carson uh well i think we know that i wasn't uh too hot on it i i i thought um well i thought rogue one was trash like that that was just straight up trash um uh yeah so i, I mean i i kind of uh i said the other day before seeing this one i was like i'm I've accepted the fact that we'll probably just never get a uh, never get a, another 
good Star Wars movie again. Like I'm I'm accepted and content with the fact that you know every Christmas from now until the end of time, uh, I'll just uh, go see a new Star Wars movie and get kind of hyped beforehand, and then walk out and just be like, "Well, ah, all right." <laughs> so, are you saying you're not excited for the uh, would, would that it were so simple a version of Han Solo? Uh, I was until uh, Lord and Miller were fired. Now it's uh, <laughs> probably going to not be great. So true, true. Somehow I, mean, I blocked that out of my. I smuggled <laughs> that one away. <laughs> when, when Lord and Miller were announced before they even were filming that movie, it was already the best Star Wars movie. So, but now that they're gone, it's like, well, a uh, uh, reverence is just uh, not allowed at uh, the new Lucasfilm regime. So. Life has not been changed. Yeah. All right. So apparently I was like the only one super, super excited <laughs> to see this film. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast and, and don't remember past reviews or anything, um, leading up to The Force Awakens, I had convinced myself or, or admitted to myself rather that, um, I, I, that the Star Wars universe is better than the Star Wars films had been. And I... I was optimistic. Like, I was excited to see The Force Awakens, but I didn't know what to expect because I acknowledged that, like, the older films were cool to have existed, but weren't necessarily like the acting wasn't great, the writing wasn't really that great. It was just a really awesome universe that I loved to experience. Um, but when I saw The Force Awakens, it was sort of like when I saw the first Muppets reboot. Where it's like the film that thing we all still love and talk about all the time, <laughs> right? Right. But no, no. It, it was like a thing where it's like when I went into the Muppets reboot, I was like, <laughs> I really don't care about the Muppets. I'm seeing this for the podcast, and the whole movie was about remembering how much you care about the Muppets, even though you thought you didn't. And The Force Awakens did that for me. A lot of people have criticized it for being just a nostalgic punch and like a copy of the past films, but that hit me so hard in a way that was like, oh my God, I love Star Wars. <laughs> like, this is like a thing. Like, this is important to me. Um, so as we talked about a few episodes back, did the whole thing to try to like order tickets at like nine o'clock at night when they went on sale and like spent a long time getting it. Got good tickets to a double feature of both films. Very, very excited to see this film. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, one of my favorite filmmakers. Like a lot is writing on this film and I was like clearly the most excited out of everybody yeah. in this group to see this film. Um, I mean, I mean, I was I was into it. I was just I'm like innately pessimistic now. I don't let myself be that excited about franchise flicks, like like Thor Ragnarok. You know, loved the director, thought it was going to be great, but like I didn't let myself get overhyped. Yeah, and like yeah. thank God because I think that was just fine, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I let myself get overhyped. <laughs> Maybe not overhyped, just I let myself get hyped. I'll, I'll just say that for now. <laughs> but, uh, I definitely, definitely got hyped. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, we all saw it. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it. You guys, you got... <laughs> I didn't see it, so. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Dude, I, would, I would straight up, I, I would vent you into space. <laughs> Dude, I, I went and saw it 2.45 a.m., five other people in the theater, it was awesome. Wow. Wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. I can't believe those 2.45 a.m. showings even exist. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. It was awesome. It was great, great. Uh, no, no 4 a.m. shows like for Force Awakens, but uh, mm. 2.45 worked out great. I was, was like, 
watching it at my own private screening, basically. Was anybody at your 245 showing, yelling, walk it off anytime somebody got killed? Uh, no, no. Everyone was uh, silent because, like I said, five people. <laughs> nobody, nobody really cared. Um, well, well, well good, good, yeah. good for you. <laughs> yeah, some of us had people like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, what do you say, guys? We get into this review. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. always been there. But I was awake. And I need help. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Kill it. If you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. So that was the trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, obviously, the continuation of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Our uh, heroine, Rey, has flown off to another planet to meet up with Luke, hoping that she will train him or her <laughs> to understand the powers that are growing within her. Meanwhile, a giant galactic battle is raging as it does in the Star's War. And uh, the Resistance is trying to figure out how they can survive against the impending destruction that may befall them at the hands of the First Order. The First Order! <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Stephen uh, Miller. God bless you. <laughs> what did you think of Star Wars The Last Jedi? Yeah, so I mentioned when Episode Seven came out, my response was like, yeah, yeah that, 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 that's fine. <laughs> and I, I, I am, to Ryan Johnson's credit, going to upgrade that response to, that was pretty good. That was good. <laughs> Like, 
I'm no, I'm not more effusive than that. I, I, I think it was good. Like it, it delivered on twists. It had more of a plot than the last movie. It didn't like just do the nostalgia thing. Um, it had like some good surprises. It had some good like filmic moments that felt more reminiscent of the older films in that like big arcs happen and there are emotional moments where badass things go down that probably people will remember and watch and rewatch later. Um, it was good. Like the, the effects were good. I just, something felt overwritten about it to me in a way that maybe a franchise like this cannot avoid. Like if I were to trace out the plot of this movie and we're going to have to do a long spoiler section, cause that's going to be the bulk of my nitpicks. The plot feels very like, this is the arc that this character is going to go on. This is the arc that this character will go on. They'll all meet back here, and these themes will be mirrored in this moment, in this moment, in this moment. And it it feels very tidy in a way that, like, probably on paper in a script, people would look at it and think, yeah, that is, like, a great Disney Star Wars movie that brings all of these elements together. But on screen, it it, like, sanitized it a little bit too much. There were just moments that I felt, like, didn't, didn't need to happen or didn't need to be like echoed as heavily as Ryan Johnson chose to do. Um, I didn't love the like journey that every character went on in this movie. Some of it felt kind of extraneous or scenes that were there only so there could be like a visual thing that they wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise. It, it frustrated me just a little bit. And I think a big part of that frustration too, is that I don't think Mark Hamill should be acting in things anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, and they know it, right? Like, they, they have to have him in there, and they, you know, to their credit, they make him be a kind of crotchety Yoda-type figure where he's semi-comic relief. Like, he's, like, a goofy Hermity-type character. and <laughs> Literally the goofy uncle who yeah, but like every, has every been bit having of dialogue a Twitter meltdown this is like, on the island. <laughs> every bit of dialogue is him kind of repeating the same thing, like, maybe I'll tell you... No, I don't want to tell you. And they're like walking away. <laughs> well, hold on a second. If you, if you I haven't taken a shit in twenty years. If if you literally had removed yourself from the franchise years ago, yeah, and just been like quarantined to this one little island with like weird frog people uh, and and creatures and, the, and, and the stuff porgs, like that. Obviously. Like, what was that, Garson? And the porgs can't you know? Yeah, yeah and the porgs like. Uh, I mean, you would lose the ability to interact with saying, other people. I'm in not a saying good it way. doesn't fit in the universe of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't have the emotional heft that I would want that those scenes like intend to be bearing. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just kind of like in general, this movie it knows when it isn't bearing the emotional heft. I think like Brian Johnson throws in a lot more jokes, a lot more lighthearted moments yeah. than prior films have done. In my mind, that's to its credit because I think the Star Wars universe is inherently kind of goofy and has little plot holes. And it, I'd rather the movie wink at that in this marvel way than pretend they don't exist and risk going like balls-to-the-wall space soap opera. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed that. I'm sure some purists are going to not enjoy that. They're going to wish that he had committed more <laughs> strictly to the reality of the world. They've um, already backlashed hard online. Sure. I, yeah. I like that. I think Ryan Johnson gets the franchise. I'm I'm happy for this movie to exist. I feel like it's well-written and it delivered on the twist. It It's just still too tidy. Like, this is not making any sort of, like most amazing films of the year list for me it's like too flawed for that and maybe a giant disney franchise with so much riding on it just couldn't deliver on that like i 
it might be like superheroes. Maybe this is like about as good as I should expect something like this to be. But I'm still not hugely pumped for whatever comes next. Carson Patrick, do you agree with Steven or are you going to surprise me and say that you love this movie? Uh, I mostly agree with Steven, but I'm going to be a little more uh, negative on it uh, simply because my reaction was literally what I described before, where I went in and I came out completely unchanged. So um, <laughs> fire, not really. Once again, Star but, but Wars, I mean, are, is not there moving possi- the needle. Is there a possibility that being four, four, or 2.45 a.m. when you went in and being uh, whatever no. math equals when you went out, like it seems a little, little tiresome to really be able to have that much energy. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Good I, apology for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, th- I mean, that's a very you know for people uh, who maybe are unfamiliar. It's a very Shanae's question. Uh, oh, what do you mean you saw this without anyone? <laughs> you were laughing on your own, like. <laughs> What? I don't think that's a lie. Hey, as I've a coworker ever said. of Chris, I can say he laughs on his own all the time. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, he, Chris has downgraded comedy movies because he's been like the only one in the theater and he didn't have a crowd to laugh with, and it was like, what? <laughs> like, I've hey, never had that I, happen. I finally confess, not finally, but I finally saw, when I saw the Storks, I was like one of of like five people in the theater, and the other two people were like couples, and <laughs> I laughed out loud in the Storks, and I gave yeah. that to you. You already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, um, I, uh, you know, to be fair, I, I was interested, obviously, in seeing what Ryan Johnson had to uh, bring to the table for Star Wars being that I liked his, uh, his other movies. And, um, but, you know, I don't know, like the excitement just, you know, kept diminishing as things moved on, as kind of like, you know, we kept seeing like... Um, people get hired like we like i mentioned lord and miller on these other star wars projects and then getting kind of unceremoniously dumped from them um because it's seemingly you know the 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 seam started to unravel and it was like well clearly uh the the new lucasfilm regime is like very much in the business of like okay you know the very much in the marvel kind of template like we gotta stick to these bullet points uh and if we don't you know if we color outside those lines, you know, that's when we're going to lose the audience and stuff. Um, I, I think it's even kind of on a more of a stricter um, uh, sort of uh, protocol than than something like Marvel. Like, uh, But it's kind of in that same flavor, you know, where I was talking about like with Thor Ragnarok, where it's just like, yeah, you know, you're just you're going you're basically going to a corporate event now and they've hired Ryan Johnson to do the crowd work. <laughs> but he's still got he's still got to follow like all the the Lucasfilm you know bullet points, uh, and he's allowed to get in like a couple jokes here and there. But you can't get too irreverent because you know we can't go outside the box. So so that's why I feel like you know we're never gonna get like a truly great Star Wars movie because I don't know like if they're not gonna hire like a a Denny or a Nicholas Winding Refn or someone with like a vision to come in and really like fuck it up and do something different. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, this is a terrible movie. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff in it that I enjoyed, but then there was a lot of stuff in it that was just like super whack. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like for every good thing that, that he did in this movie, it was like undermined, 
five or ten minutes later by something like incredibly stupid and i was like whatever but you know it's fine i mean it 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 pretty much lived up to my expectations which was that it was just gonna be you know it was just gonna be whatever and um (laughs) you know i don't begrudge you for liking it or 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 what 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 not i mean i you can see where i guess i can see where you know the well I guess I'll have to talk about that later because I actually don't see where a lot of like some of the the praise is coming from, but I can definitely see like, you know, parts where they're, they're, uh, you know, that would be enjoyable to fans or whatnot. Cause I mean, there are scenes in this movie, I guess, you know, you could say it's, it's, it's pretty much fan servicing, but like, I mean, there's, there's moments in the movie where they might as well just thrown up like an applause sign because like that's how it plays you know um uh yeah very very yeah very much in the same vein of when uh mark hamill played uh Cockknocker in jay and silent bob strike back he literally comes out and there's you know the the movie pauses and text comes up and says look kids it's mark hamill applause <laughs> why um, do they call him Cockknocker? yeah <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, Mark Hamill is kind of playing Luke Skywalker as Cockknocker. He's like, I sh- shouldn't have fucked with the Jedi Master. <laughs> I, and I mean, you know, like, look, Mark Hamill has always been kind of shaky, even in the old Star Wars movies, you know, but like, s- there's some <laughs> kind of. the blast shield tr- down, I can't see anything. Yeah, well, the, I gotta go to the thing to get the power converters or whatever. I don't know. But, uh,. You know, like, I don't know, there was some kind of, there was certain charm to that, and I feel like there is still that charm in here. Like, it's, yeah, it's not great, but, you know, I don't know. Like I said, he's kind of like the goofy uncle now, and you're just like, you you, you kind of enjoy it. And um, I don't know why, though. It's just purely, I guess, a, a, a an immature thing, but just like uh, fart jokes with, like, old Luke just are the funniest combo to me. Like, you know, like I was joking that, you know, he's got some line readings in this movie where it just sounds like he hasn't taken a shit in 10 years. And, um, I don't know why that's just so funny to me, but, uh, yeah, there, I, there's, I have a theory about that later on though. It's spoiler, spoilery though, but, uh, get my hot take over there. I got to get that in clearly. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we'll we'll definitely have a. I think I think most of the review will take place in spoiler territory, so we can we yeah, can we can, we can save yeah. all those thoughts for that. But uh, but you know, basically, it is what it is, and that's fine. And you know, my life wasn't changed. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, as mentioned at the top of the episode, I think that I had uh, the the most to gain and the most to lose in watching this film because of my love for the film that came before it and of this writer director. And, and, uh, I, I was excited. I mean, we, we went to the double feature. I still, still, still teared up at all the same points that I did, uh, when I saw the force awakens. And, uh, we, we actually, <laughs> our double feature started 45 minutes late because they couldn't get the force awakens to play. <laughs> um, oh, I thought you were going to say that like the, your pizza got burnt or something. Oh no, we didn't, we didn't see it at the fat house. Actually. We went to, uh, AMC. <gasps> No, oh it wasn't, my it wasn't gosh! The AMC. It was the oh, cin- sorry, Cinem- uh, Cinemark. Yeah, Cinemark Theater. Um, oh. but uh, we did see a double feature. It started super late. Got to see the first film, loved it, and like I let like as the next one was starting, 
I just let out this exhale. There was like a little intermission between b- beforehand, and it was like boom, lights come down, boom, that Star Wars music kicks in. It's like this is happening, excitement, holy shit, let's do this. And uh, I think uh, I love half of this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that there. Uh, all the things that are the things I wanted to see are great about The Last Jedi. I mean, everything related to Luke and what happened with him, the the story between Rey and Kylo, Rey and Luke, uh, those are all the important people. <laughs> um, there is a lot of, <laughs> of, of stuff in this world that is that is, delivers on exactly what I wanted when I went to go see this film. And I think this... Two and a half hour runtime is padded with a lot of stuff that I really just don't give a shit about, and uh, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that is really unfortunate. Like, there's stuff. It's funny too because I I feel like I can see the strings of the studio forcing Ryan to do things, and Ryan going like, "You want Porgs in the movie? Fuck you! Porgs in every single goddamn scene. <laughs> every <laughs> time I cut, it will cut to a Porg because you wanted Porg Studio. Suck it." Either that, or uh, he really it, loves the porgs. I don't. Ad- I don't know. Admittedly, though, the porgs were great. Well, the, I, the, por- uh, the porgs are great. I porgs thought, are adorbs. We uh, all agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> adorbs porgs. It's I, I. Don't get me wrong. I love the porgs. I laughed out loud at many moments with porgs, but it still felt like one of those conscious things where it's like, fine, I'll put porgs in my movie. Here, porgs everywhere, and I just think like so. So first of all, the, the good and the great. I think that. For the first time in a Star Wars film, I understand the stakes of the wars that are taking place in the stars, right? Like, I, in, in every single episode, I think the story is very condensed. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we're seeing entire planets get destroyed. Uh, we're seeing the heads up of a force in the galaxy being destroyed. But we still never really understand the full stakes of the living beings in the world. And I think the opening of this film which is very reminiscent of, like, Battlestar Galactica, where it's kind of like, here we are. There's not a lot of us left. Let's hope we don't all die, right? Like, it, 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 like you immediately understand that, like, every single battle is important, not for the characters that we're seeing, but for everyone. And it's like, it, it's that's important to do because when you continually build bigger and bigger base stations mm-hmm. <laughs> that are first a moon and then a planet, <laughs> once those are destroyed... It's like, well, we're going to build an even bigger space station? Like, well, how, how are we going to do this? Right? So it's kind of like, well, they can't just build increased, like, they can't be like, a, that's no sun. That's a, <laughs> that's a space station, right? They can't do that. So it's like, well, what are the stakes, right? You can keep building bigger lasers, but you'll only ever blow up one or five planets, right? Like, there's always this thing that makes you wonder about, like, how can the enemy get bigger and stronger? But this does a good job of, like, showing the threat in a real way and showing the people involved in trying to um, defeat the bad guys and, and really see the stakes of like, this isn't just little tiny battles happening in a, in a galaxy wide war. This is like, these are the people who are left and involved in the fight that's going on. Now I care, right? It's not just like, sure, our heroes, I don't want them to die. This is like, Oh, all these characters that I don't care about mm-hmm. are, are, are interesting. Right? So, I love that aspect of things. All the continuations of the things that were established before, where it's like you want questions to be answered, you want relationships to build uh, stronger or weaker, you want interactions between 
our main people to happen in a way that, once again, has stakes. And this film delivers on that in what I think is pretty incredible ways for, like, the main the main people. But it also has just plot lines that don't really matter. It, like, introduces new characters who, like, they're intro- like the character of Rose. Her introduction is great. Like, she's really interesting. The way she deals with the person she interacts with when we first meet her is cool. I'm, I'm on board with her. The mission she goes on could care less about. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's inconsequential in the long run. And it's just the thing where it's like, I, why do we need to cut away from the thing I care about? to see this story other than to expand the tight-knit group of people that we have in this story. I I will double down on that and say even the introduction of her I didn't think was worthwhile. To me, that was like... That was part of the... I agree with you. There's two halves of this movie. Yeah. There's like a good movie and a less good movie. It's not unlike Thor Ragnarok where we had like a similar idea. Um, I would say she embodies the like color by numbers approach to this movie where there had to be someone like showing up to add more pathos they had to introduce a new character to teach people a lesson but they didn't they didn't want to make her mean any more than that like they didn't want to add any depth and i thought everything about her was very bland second or tertiary character not really worrying about filling out any any nuance but but i think her introduction raises up finn like not not raises him up but it 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 builds upon Finn's existence in the world in a way that's interesting to that character. Mm-hmm. And the way she perceives him is interesting. Like, like it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, this is a great moment for the character that's not her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I think that she's fine. Like I, 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 I'm sure there's a good story that could be told with her, but they, they play part in a piece of this puzzle that is like, you can build the puzzle that is this movie and be like, I know what the picture is. I don't need those other five pieces. Like, I, I can see this is the Death Star. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not important to, to go on. Um, but the, the, the character, like Luke, Ray, Kylo. <laughs> Luke, Ray, Kylo. <laughs> like, everything related to them is great. Leia, there are some very problematic things that we'll talk about when we get into spoilers. But... I, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, so much of this movie is good, and it, like it's. Um, I'm sensing a uh, War for the Apes situation here, where like this movie rocks, but that <laughs> was stupid as fuck. <laughs> I don't even think I said this movie rocks, <laughs> but no, no, it, it's it's there. There, not not literally, but you come on, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just think that like. There is a very real possibility this film could have never lived up to what I demanded of it because of my love of both The Force Awakens and Ryan Johnson. But there are so many pieces of it that I'm like, this movie is exactly what I want. And then there is so there there is a whole like there's like a 30 minute section in the middle of this film where two characters go to a fancy place that should fucking not exist in this movie at all. It's <laughs> such it's such a waste of time. It's inconsequential to the plot, and it's really only there because Disney wanted more cute animal things to participate in the plot. But hey, at least it introduces us to another character that we love so much. <laughs> yeah, right. And here, here's the thing. Here's the they thing. Also, they also take some nice digs at capitalism, which is always hilarious in a <laughs> Disney movie. No, but here's the thing. Those digs at capitalism... Like, what I is actually this, genuinely too? like, mm-hmm. like oh, I brother. like the idea of this place. 
the way it's used, horrible. Yeah, the execution is not good. Execution well, I mean, is not good. To me, to me, that's one of those, like, look, the themes are in bold print on the script right, right. here. Yeah, moments yeah. where they're like, we want to tackle this subject. And there's no, there's not joy in that. Like, I get writing it down why it would neatly weave into something. But, like, on the screen, it doesn't work, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you keep saying, like, that that this was not some of this stuff wasn't ryan johnson's doing it's like unfortunately i think it was his doing because he's talked it up about how like oh i had so much creative freedom on this movie i don't know what everyone's talking about <laughs> it's like unless he was bullshitting but it's like i know i'm pretty sure canto bite and all the the dumb like i'm pretty sure these these are his ideas man i mean like they just you know he had a lot of stuff going on in this movie and uh, you know like i said some of it worked some of it didn't um, Unless a lot of it is like really setting up the third movie because he also wrote that. So it could be that these are the kind of things that would have been first act moments yeah. that like get paid well, off in even, the second act, right? Well, he's not even writing the third movie. He's got it. He got mm. his own trilogy now. So no, no, but he was already in the process of writing it a while back, wasn't he? I think he wrote a treatment, but he isn't officially writing the, the oh, okay, script. So he's mm-hmm. off of it now. Yeah, he's not involved at all with episode nine since he got uh he got gifted the brand new trilogy. Gotcha. Well, that yeah. is that is news to me because I remember when he was originally writing and directing eight, and then writing only nine. But yeah, and I think eventually it it turned into him just focusing on eight, and then uh, you know Colin Trevorrow was going to do nine, and then he got fired, and now you know JJ's back. So yeah, that's where it stands now. <laughs> well, well, anyways, I think I think there there is there are moments of greatness in this film and I love it for those moments of greatness. Unfortunately, it is an incredibly long film that like like you can do a fan cut of this film and make the best Star Wars that has ever existed. And like it wouldn't take that much work. <laughs> and and uh, maybe even as exercise I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, it, I feel like that was also kind of a problem I had with Force Awakens where, you know, the the movie like had a lot going on, but like at the end of the, at the end of it, I was kind of just like, well, what happened? Like there was a lot of stuff going on, but then it was like, when you, you called it, you're just like, uh, like, I guess they did this, you know? Cause I, I like think Chris maybe feels the opposite about this one where he thinks like major things happened, but there was too much fat that diluted what happened. I mean, yeah, there, so, so there I, was definitely I, too much going on. I agree with that. But I also think that like, at the same, there was like too much going on and then nothing going on at the same time. So, so like that's so, all what I thought. So here, here's the thing: is I, I, as I explained it to another coworker today who had literally just got back in the middle of the day from having seen the film. Oh yeah, our office was like half deserted today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what the way I described it to him is that I think this film is trying to do two films worth of things. Like the last film was all about revitalizing the revitalizing the series and was looking backward the entire time it was like hey here's a film let's redo a bunch of things that happened before and do callbacks to them and bring some new people in and start a new story but it didn't progress that story forward it only worked backwards from the things that had come before it and then i think this film was like okay i need to do everything that past film didn't do catch people up and then proceed forward with this film that we're currently in. And it tried to fit so much stuff into this one story that like not all of it could breathe. Like the thing I continued to tell this coworker was that I would watch a star Wars film that is just the war 
and a second Star Wars film that is just this, I need to train because I need to understand what's happening within me, and also there's this person that I want to save. And I think that that story, self-contained, is already good. And I think the war and the, oh shit, the resistance could be stomped out if we don't do something about that, that is a good story on paper that could have been its own film. And I think trying to shoehorn them together and to try to break up the party and send them on their own little adventures and have them all doing a thing at the same time was just too much for any one thing to shine other than the things that I was emotionally invested already in. And I think that that is really the problem this film has. Like, no one thing should have been bad, but when you compare the things, so much is going on, and you kind of have to latch on to one thing, and that is the strongest thing. Mm -hmm. That's... I I agree with you. I, I still don't think... I don't think the main storyline is amazing. I think it's just, like, good, like, great even, but, like, has some definite flaws. And I also don't think the secondary storyline is, like, very disappointing. It just all felt diluted to me. So I think I'm, like, I feel less extreme about both of them, but I do feel like it was a messy film that had too much going on. And it definitely, much like Thor Ragnarok again, it kind of felt like it was playing with tone, where some of those storylines had a lot of comic relief and a lot of silliness that added to the feeling of, like, you don't think this has any weight, so why should I think this has weight? And, like, comic relief is great and seriousness is great, but somehow the way it gets combined occasionally can make you feel like, why am I watching yeah. this? So so let's talk about the comedy of it real fast, because mm -hmm. admittedly, there are many times that I was laughing louder than most of the people in our theater mm -hmm. <laughs> or quicker. <laughs> right? There was a few times there is a there was a moment that involved a wheelbarrow where I laughed like probably a whole second and a half sooner than anybody else did. And then was like, oh, I got self-conscious about it. But oh, oh brother. <laughs> <laughs> but I. Oh, oh, sorry, I laughed too well. <laughs> but honestly, I'm a grown man. <laughs> I'll never but, see these people again. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that I honestly, I fit into that group that Carson mentioned earlier. I think this would have been a better film if it was less funny. Like I, there were things that were in there just to make me laugh. And though I did laugh, I was kind of like, where the fuck am I right now? Like, why, why am I laughing? Like, I'm not laughing in the way uh, that I may have laughed at funny moments in The Force Awakens. I'm laughing in the like, this is funny, but doesn't belong here. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't say that it was the humor benefited the movie. Like, I don't, like, I could have cared less if they did or didn't. Like, I just thought that the humor that was in there felt a little off-putting because, um, it felt like humor that the, that kind of stuff I feel like is what got Lord Miller fired. Like they probably just did the general Hux thing in the beginning. Like, <laughs> can you hear me now? That was probably the whole fucking Han Solo movie. Um, and so that, I feel like, you know, that, that was what I was just saying. Like, it, fine, have the humor, but like, I don't know. It just, it, it felt like it wasn't meshing with the movie because um, it was kind of just like, felt mandated. Like, all right, you can have three irreverent jokes. So pick them, you know, choose them wisely. <laughs> You know, it just that it just it just felt weird. Like it just it didn't it didn't really flow. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did enjoy though. I, I mean, the the one the one shining thing in in um, all these new Star Wars movies is Adam Driver. Uh, I think he's consistently holding these movies together, um, and I think uh, he really um, he really he really dialed it up in a couple places in, in this scene. You know, he gives it sometimes. You know, most projects it's kind of like the uh, the Tom Cruise thing where Tom Cruise always goes like really hard. All goes really all in on one line uh, in his movies usually. Uh, so Adam Driver was definitely kicking it up a notch uh, in a couple places that uh, I found very entertaining. Yeah, I uh, liked him in this movie. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe we should give verdicts and go into spoilers. Well, one wh- one more question. Just mm-hmm. this is the this is the Carson. This is the question for Carson that must be asked because. It's Carson. Uh, what did you think of Snoke? Oh, Visual- visually. Terrible. Terrible, dude. They, why wasn't Andy Serkis just in makeup? He looks so bad. He looked even worse. Like, he looked even worse than The Force Awakens. Like, remember we were kind of joking, like, whoa, why'd they go this route for Force Awakens? But, man, that was the way better choice than this. <laughs> like, showing him, like, full-on close-up and his fucking... Uh, admittedly, though, his gold robe was pretty pretty dope. But uh, so, so here, here, S- Snoke looked awful, man. It looks so bad. So here's the thing is, we don't really know what Snoke is yet, right? Um, and, and we, like, he's humanoid, but we don't know how human he is. We don't, we don't, we don't really know about his backstory. No, he's a yeah. scrotum come to life, right? <laughs> yeah, he's very scrotum looking. He was gonna be called scrote, but <laughs> he switched it. To well, that, that was that was too irreverent for uh, Lucasfilm, so they, uh, they cut that. But here, here's the thing: is outside of the scenes where he's actually walking upright, when he's in his chair, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked. I thought he looked like Grandma Coco. Well, I mean, that's that's on brand, on brand. Well, you know, Grandma Coco looked good because it was a fully animated movie. I, I'm just saying, like those, those really close-up shots with the wispies in his in his uh, his eyebrows going and stuff. I, I, I thought I thought Snoke. I thought Snoke. Here, will you at least give me this? I, I mean, it's a, I, I'm 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 not agreeing with you, but I'm a, I'm uh, agreeing with the fact that this is an on-brand uh, <laughs> statement from you. So just the, like just like for me saying it looked terrible uh, because it did, and especially in 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 a movie like. This, where, you know, they're still reliant a lot on the practical effects for a lot of the creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I really was just like, you know, just put Andy Serkis in a in a crazy It, it, it does make costume. the CG stand out because Ryan Johnson does pretty well with practical effects through most of the film. Yeah. But here's yeah. the question. Pick your poison. This version of Snoke or... Thanos in the new uh, oh. <laughs> Avengers trailer. Oh man, <laughs> I guess I gotta go with Snow because Thanos looks god awful. I accept your apology. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos looks like a fucking he looks like a fucking Gungan reject from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> like oh, Mista, like that's what that's what the. Fu- Jar Jar is going to join the Avengers in the fucking... <laughs> Misa going to collect the Infinity Stones and kill half the people in the universe. When Infinity Brunch comes out, that's going to be the big reveal, is that uh, Jar Jar 
And he's like, oh, my brother. I can't do the Jar Jar voice. But his brother, he was outcast because he was the one fucking purple Gungan. They kicked him out. And he's like, I'm back. What's up, guys? I'm Josh Brolin. Look at my dumb, bald baby face. Dumb mocap face. Applaud here. <laughs> so stupid. Ugh. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, um, <laughs> I think it's about time to probably get to verdicts that we can get to spoilers. So, let's just do that. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Um, I, even though I was like medium down on moments of this film, I still think it was a great way to spend two and a half hours i think it was like <laughs> five and some change <laughs> I, I mean there's something where like with the build-up to a spectacle this big Bird. you're really just glad that like they landed the ship that they didn't like spectacularly crash it right like <laughs> and ryan Jan- johnson like kept a steady hand i don't think this movie is a hot mess i don't think this movie has any like huge flaws i think it's a Generally good addition to the Star Wars saga. So I'm still going to call it a must-see. I think this is something that, like, if you had any inkling to see a Star Wars movie, I really don't think this is going to let you down dramatically. I think this is going to be a happy, fist-pumping time. You're going to be annoyed by the B-plot. But, like, the B-plot in a lot of these movies is kind of stupid. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think this is still a great Star Wars movie. I'm just not as emphatic about it as I wish I could be. Carson Patrick. Uh, in lieu of a very boring rating for me, uh, I'm going to read you uh, the best Star Wars review that I found online uh, from a poster called Brood Mother. Uh, and they say, remember the confusion over the mild sexual content rating for The Last Jedi? It's Adam Driver's tits. Honest to God, it's literally for his one three-second shirtless scene. That warning did nothing, though. I was not prepared. I nearly died. Those tits had me in no condition. I was spilling my beer. I dropped my candy on the floor. Knocked the hot dog out of the guy next to me's hand. Wigs flew. Pearls were clutched. Babies were crying. Dogs were barking. Boys built like a refrigerator with a perm. Thank fuck I wasn't seeing this in 3D or they would have come flying straight at me, breaking my neck and killing me instantly. Give that person a Pulitzer. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> All right, and uh, hopefully Chris will post the uh, "Still I Said Him" of Mark Hamill so in the from, movie as my rating. <laughs> but from Carson, that's two Adam Driver nipples way up. That's uh, that's a uh, two tits and uh, no belly button uh, for me. He was doing the Taylor Swift thing, like he uh, hiding the belly button, but only showing the. Yeah, I don't know. It was a very awkward uh, moment because it just you know. Cuts to Adam Driver, and he's just shirtless for no reason, other than to, I guess, show the badass scar on his face goes down to his chest. <laughs> um, but it was really weird, because, you know, like, his he's got his pants all the way up above his belly button, like a Forrest Gump or something. And you're just like, what, did he not have enough time to get the abs in shape? He just, like, tits up only? I don't know. It was, it was very odd. It was very it's, weird. It's Star Spanks. <laughs> it's, it, they did look like Star Spanks, yeah. Anyways, I, I, I honestly have no goddamn idea what your review is for this film. <laughs> so I'm, it, I'm, it's going to be shrug emoji. My, no, my, my review is I sent Chris a still of Mark Hamill in this movie giving the the face. 
And that sum that sums up my 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 thoughts on this. Movie. I don't even know what that face means. <laughs> that it means everything. It's the Mark Hamill constipated face, the surprise face, like oh. This this review isn't gonna go how you expect. No, it's not gonna go either. I figured out who Mark Hamill reminds me of, by the way. Oh, <laughs> is it Tom- wagons it- in South Park? <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say uh, Tommy Wiseau because I was getting some Tommy vibes, especially when he had, uh, near the end of the movie. I was like, man, Mark Use Hamill. Use the force, skank hunt. <laughs> Mark Hamill could have been a great Tommy Wiseau, um, and I, I yeah. Hayden Hayden Christensen would have made a great Greg Sestero too. Anyways, so onto my review. There's still a lot to like in this film, and you got to be watching Star Wars because we're going to be getting them forever. So this oh, yeah. is a, mu- a must see for me. <laughs> I'm, gonna live, I'm gonna live forever. Um, but it, it's a must see. But obviously, I have a lot of problems with it. Um, and you know, some of them are like <laughs> legit problems. Some of them are just nitpicky problems. But like th- this. I I still think The Force Awakens is a overall better film than this because I think that film is a perfect gem of a film on its own. Like it, I have no complaints about that film. And this film does things that that film doesn't even bother trying to do. But this film also is padded with a bunch of stuff that shouldn't be in the film at all. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if I'm comparing the films, I have to give the win to The Force Awakens. But I want so many of the things in this movie <laughs> like, that's just the way it goes um but yeah that is the end of this review uh the main pre-spoiler review for star wars the last jedi we're gonna do the normal closeout thing right now music will fade up and then when that music fades back away it'll be spoiler territory where we're just gonna be free reign on any scene or topic in the film and uh, for those who want to know our thoughts on like deeper thoughts on what parts of the film worked or didn't work for us. We're going to be talking about that there. So for now, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Carson Patrick? Uh, you can find me, uh, I guess, uh, pouring one out for the uh, prosciutto and fig pizza at the Fat House. No, <laughs> no longer available, which I feel like was a missed op, dude. Uh, especially for this movie, they could have... Uh, I thought for sure they'd have a poured chudo and fig pizza. <laughs> come on, come on! What? This is bad synergy here. If only um, people yeah. can find me over at ChrisPremierLife.com or Twitter.com/slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over thespoilerwarning.com, where you get a bunch of back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com/slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com/slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Star Wars The, the, the Last Jedi. <laughs> well, I said Force Awakens. Um, so hopefully <laughs> it's, all, are, it's all the same. Yeah, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, as we said before, this music is going to slowly start fading up. And when the music goes away, we'll be in fl- full-blown spoilers. So be warned, if you haven't seen the film yet, you're a crazy person. So stop listening <laughs> and go see the movie. Uh, but the rest of you will be go give Di- Go soon. give Disney money. They need it. They just <laughs> spent $66 billion. Please help them. They're hurting. <laughs>
All right, so we are back. This is Spoiler Territory. It's the after show for the Spoiler Warning Podcast. We are talking full-blown spoilers for Star Wars The Last Jedi. If you are still listening, you have been warned. We're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. So. I can't believe Luke took a shit. <laughs> he finally took a shit at the end. <laughs> Anyways. How that came out were two gold dice. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't, I don't, I don't know the best way to handle this, um, but I'm gonna throw one thing out just to get out of the way at the start mm-hmm. of this film, and uh, I, I, I'm gonna throw it out. The, the scene I'm gonna throw out starts one thing, but I'm sure the thing we may want to talk about happens shortly after that moment um, mm-hmm. because that's sort of the thing that I think a lot of people lost their shit about. Um, but I want to talk about the so. I don't know how many of you guys avoided trailers. I was going to avoid the trailer. Ryan Johnson tweeted, it's okay, go watch it. It's an awesome trailer. I watched the trailer, immediately regretted at least one thing in that trailer, and that is the scene of Kylo Ren getting ready to shoot the bridge of the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> and like uh, it cutting back and forth between him trying to think about, am I going to shoot the bridge and Leia on the bridge going, is he going to shoot me, right? <laughs> And I heard a lot of talk that uh, this trailer intentionally misdirects. That fucking trailer does not misdirect. (laughs) He doesn't pull the trigger, but a TIE fighter bombs the bridge, leg gets sucked into space. And given that she is dead in real life, I went, motherfucker, is this how they kill them? And... This is a thing where maybe in the context of the film in a world where she was still with us, I would interpret that scene differently. But knowing that this scene was in the trailer, I had seen it, knowing that she is not with us anymore in real life, and watching her get vented into space, I was like, they're really going to fucking kill her this early on in the film. Uh, I I th- I thought maybe they would go that route too, which I thought they uh, they gave themselves a pretty good out there, um, but they didn't, and uh, that was Especially definitely magically flies back. In yeah, the that spaceship. was. But, but, he, but here's the thing: probably is, is... the wackest scene in the whole movie <laughs> is uh, fake ass Leia floating in space and then uh, floating back into the space. But, but hold on, I, I, tr- I tried to subdivide these two moments because I wanted to start by talking like. Even given that the script called for this fake out of her death, do you think that was distasteful to keep that in there, like, like to not write it no. differently? No. I, I didn't care about that. I wasn't. To me, the only impact that the actuality of Carrie Fisher's passing had was made me be, I don't know, wondering how much of her was going to be in the film, like how, how much had completed filming before it happened yeah, uh, but i don't i don't feel like they have any obligation one way or another to how they handle this character i, I don't think they have an obligation to it but like because we we had heard it was like publicly talked about that like she was like a week away from finishing her like all of her scenes right mm-hmm. no, so, she finished she finished this entire movie like long before long before she died Okay, well, there you go. What I had heard is that she was, like, pretty much done and not, maybe not completely done, but, like, enough to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, so- episode nine was supposed to focus solely on her. Like, that was supposed to be her movie in the same way that this is Luke's movie and Force Awakens was Han's movie. So, 
they kind of, you know. Re- regardless. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they, was... they, they finished this movie, dude, like well before she died. Like it finished shooting that, in like that's, that's summer fine. of 2016. That's, 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 the, that's the beyond the point I'm trying to make. Like just for me as a watcher, you knew that at some point she had to exit this film, right? Like she wasn't going to be able to make it through it. <laughs> Hmm. Right. We understand that as film goers because we have this piece of information about the actress in real life. And I think that like having this weird fake out in the beginning of the film just felt so weird because like, yeah, I don't know. I just, for me as a watcher, it really took me out of the film because I was like, uh, this seems like a doing this so early on in the film just doesn't seem normal. And then, then we move into the scene where she, she force pulls herself back to the ship and gets in and like first of all as weird as that fucking scene is like i get that it's cool on paper there is no universe was it? In, on, on so leia is force sensitive we know that we like it's been, force intolerant it's it's can, canon <laughs> it's canon up until now yeah, so yeah. like so like it's it's she obviously has a connection to the force her being able to pull herself back I don't know how they could have done that scene in a way that I just accepted outright, but like doing the fake out in the context of the actress in real life, and then following it up with this crazy ball scene of her pulling herself back to the ship in a way that probably doesn't make sense. Like I remember when sunshine came out and there's the scene where they have to make the jump. Three people have to jump between two segments of a spaceship and there's only two suits or there's one suit and two people. And it's like, People didn't believe that then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like scientists had to be like, well, you can actually exist in the vacuum of space for a few seconds and blah, 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 as long as you're immediately inside a vessel and pressurized, right? There, there's people who like came out of the woodwork to like explain why it was scientifically possible for a person to make a short jump between two things in the vacuum of space and survive it. <laughs> this bitch was floating out there. <laughs> For a long time. (laughs) For at least a full scene. Well, to me, it was very reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy, these scenes where one character will float out into space and will start to freeze, and then just in time, the mask will be put on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Mary Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah, but but this lets that linger for a long time. Yeah. And I I don't know, there's something... Like, I appreciate the balls that that it took to, like, be like... (laughs) Check this. She gets vented out into space. And then she decides she's not going to let herself die. And she's just going to pull herself back to the ship with the Force. So in my mind, this was just one of at least two moments in the film where a big explosion happens and everyone except the really important character dies. And I don't yeah. understand why that happened. Uh, the other one is Poe when... Dameron um, running into yeah. the... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, the other one for me is actually when uh, Finn and Rose are about to be executed and the whole like you know the hangar explodes because laura dern has light sped her ship into the other ship and everything is on fire and everyone is dead except both of them are fine and i get they were like laying on the ground but i don't phasma was fine too yeah yeah i guess so and then she died (laughs) so lame but we got to see her eye at least oh yeah finally we got to see that eye (laughs) But, like, how stupid were they, like, they kind of built this up where, like, oh, yeah, Captain Phasma going to get a much bigger role in this. And it's, like, literally shows up for one scene so John Boyega has something to do and then she dies. 
It's like, womp womp. So are we going to talk about the Finn-Rose subplot and how, like, not only does and it not work very was... well, but even in the context of the story, nothing nothing of consequence happens as a result of it at all, except for maybe they learn to be not as much hotheads, but that isn't true because Finn still has to learn that lesson again a scene later. I mean, I feel like Finn still hasn't learned that lesson. Yeah. Like, yeah, Finn seems to be very slow at learning lessons in these movies. <laughs> like, he hasn't learned how to not run away from his problems. That happened in episode seven, like, twice, and it happens in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I get frustrated when characters, like, repeat the same learning moment multiple times. Which, which is not inherently not a thing that people go through in real life. Like, there are a lot of people who make the same mistake constantly. Mm-hmm. And it, it may... Be, just because it's convenient for the story doesn't make it improbable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, it's clear that that Finn being this, like, stolen as a child and programmed to be this killer, like, he doesn't quite understand. Like, I'm, I'm fine with him making stupid mistakes constantly because he's, like, been... His brain's been messed with, right? <laughs> he's been attempted to be turned into a killer with no conscience, and now he's just trying to understand what's going on in the world. And when he's making the, the mistake, he's usually trying to do it in an attempt to help somebody else. It's not just one person doing a dumb thing. It's somebody going about a attempted good plan the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed, like, what you said about the, the Rose Finn stuff uh, was basically, like, just super boring. Um, anytime they cut back to the space stuff, like, away from the island, I was just... They could have gotten rid of, like, all of that. I mean, like, that... The stuff I enjoyed most in this movie was obviously the, the stuff on the island. Yeah. Uh, I could have watched a whole movie with them on the island. Uh, and then maybe at the end showing, you know, a little what's happening with everybody else. But like, um, you know, that would be a, 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 a type of star Wars movie that, you know, would never get made where it's just like a very sort of uh horror hallucinogenic version where they're on this Island and Daisy Ridley's going down the, the big butthole thing and looking through the mirror <laughs> and, Mark Hamill's just tripping out, and he's seeing Puppet Yoda, and he could see Ghost Hayden Christensen. They bring him back, and he's just, uh, you know, that would be like a, a really good like vibes type of movie. Um, but yeah, but then they cut, you know, they cut to like Finn and Rose, who, and then uh, uh, Bro Dameron doing his thing. Which did you guys get the sense that like he was like Oscar Isaac weirdly annoyed in this movie? Uh, I I did not find him as entertaining or as cool as he was in Force Awakens. Here yeah, he seemed here he I, seemed actively agitated to be in the movie. It was just like I mean I bro, think his bro, characters agitated to be trapped within the bureaucracy of the system that he's working. Like, yeah, I, but I, so I totally here's yeah, my but, problem but, with that. My like I don't like in movies and shows when. A central conflict happens only because people refuse to just say one sentence that would solve it all. And in this case, like, if Laura Dern had said, this is the plan, this is what we're doing, none of that shit would have happened. And I don't know, like, why that doesn't happen unless, except for, like, Ryan Johnson wants Poe to learn a lesson about humility or something. But Like, 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 why not say, like, oh, we're gonna, like, secretly... 
make everybody escape in camo. If you have a thing in parallel, like, okay, that can be, like, a fallback plan, but, like, this is going to work and this is going to be a good escape route. But but she has just gotten... A, she has just gotten command of the rest of humanity, right? The rest of the resistance. And this hothead pilot who just got demoted, like, a scene yeah, ago. because he sucks. <laughs> he, coming, like, all of a sudden sucked in this movie. He just got demoted. Comes in talking like he's important. She don't need no man. <laughs> like, no. It, it, she's, it, she's way taller than him. Like, so. there is no reason why she has to divulge her plan to him, right? Yeah, but she, like, even lets... She lets this whole mutiny thing go down, and she's just, like, the smiling maternal figure that's, like... He's a hothead, but I think he's going to learn something. And it's like, just fucking like, tell him why this is a bad idea and why your idea is not going to kill everyone. Yeah, like, just be like, bro, your acting is terrible in this one. Go away. <laughs> I just uh, I don't understand fucking, what they were doing with Carrie Laura Fisher, Dern. Sh- Fucking Carrie Fisher straight up shoots Oscar Isaac with a stun gun because he's so annoying in this movie. <laughs> I didn't, I like, didn't find shut him up. I, He was I can, definitely I not as... to be on side Poe Dameron. Yeah, okay, but but remember how effervescent we were, effusive we were about Poe po Dameron in Force Awakens. He is like a, a, a you, shining light You were the only one shouting movie. his name and twisting your nipples. I liked him in The Force Awakens, but I was uh, definitely bro, not. Bro, okay, everybody go back, listen to The Force Awakens review where Chris says that like he totally would make out with Oscar Isaac. I'm pretty sure that's not what it's <laughs> um, Like, we were definitely broing hard for pro, Bro Dameron. Uh, and I you feel like he was Dameron. just, yeah, I feel like he was weirdly, uh, weirdly, uh, asleep in this movie. Uh, and also I feel like John Boyega gets nothing to do again, which was unfortunate. No, no, so, um, so I, I remember a rumor going around, uh, around the time that the force awakens was out where they talked about these characters were not supposed to, not all of the characters were supposed to be so central moving forward in the story, but yeah, they yeah. were things that the fans loved so much that they that Ryan Johnson was asked to write them more prominent roles. And yeah, I, I think I think Poe was supposed to die in Force Awakens originally. No, I don't know. That, what that was just what if that was that was a thing I heard. <laughs> he he should have died in this movie. Like if <laughs> if if Poe and Rose Tico and Finn. Uh, had all died in this movie, it wouldn't have made a bit of difference. I'd just be like, oh, well, good good for them for uh, for going through <laughs> with that. Because there's a couple moments in this movie, you know, we talked about the, the Carrie Fisher one, which I think, you know, kind of briefly going back to that, like, yeah, it is a little weird, obviously, that, you know, I feel like if she were still alive, it still would be a moment where you're just like, well, they're not going to kill her off. Like, that's, it just seems like they wouldn't have the balls to do it. It's kind of like when uh, in Civil Bro... When, like, I think it was, like, they shot, like, Don Cheadle out of the sky, and he's, like, falling, and everyone's like, oh! It's like, come on, he's not dead. Like, they, these movies... That fucked up, though. Like, he yeah, wishes but, he was but, dead. But these <laughs> movies don't... These movies don't have the balls to, like, straight-up kill off these big characters. Although, apparently, in Infinity Brunch, they do, but I'll see I mean, they when kill I off Han Solo in Episode he, 7. I feel like they've established right, but that, that they're but willing that, to kill off big characters. But that seemed... Maybe That's, they're not willing to unceremoniously kill big characters. Yeah, but that seemed that seemed organic because Han Solo wanted to be killed off in Return of the Jedi. So it just seemed like kind of a, a long thing coming. It was like, okay, Harrison, 
please come back for the next Star Wars. Uh, if you do, we'll kill you off. Okay, or like yeah. Luke is effectively killed off in this movie. I, I yeah. feel like they aren't afraid to kill the classics, no, but, I, but they want it to be a big, epic, yeah. heroic moment where it but happens. But I, I, I'm just—I guess I'm saying like uh, a part of the thing that you know that was kind of funny to me was right after the premiere. It was—it was you know there were a lot of react. I mean, the reactions were very positive, but there was a lot of like you know again all the same adjectives just get like recycled when you get people you know giving their their twitter reactions and it's like it was a lot of like oh so many jaw-dropping moments and i was kind of like trying to pinpoint like what what were the jaw drop like see i feel like like the like the carrie fisher one i was like oh like they set it up to as to be a like a okay that would be pretty pretty surprising but then it's like nope she lived and then like john boyega <laughs> goes head on into the cannon i'm like oh is john boyega gonna sacrifice himself that would be pretty good and then rose tico saves him he's like i love you but then he's like i love Ray instead fuck you um <laughs> so t- t- i'm gonna break this down for one second i want to make one more comment about leia yeah having seen this the week after seeing the shape of water i was not unconvinced that space leia was like ethereally meeting with <laughs> with Luke to say goodbye or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, we, I was not convinced that this was really happening in this film. Um, just because I was like, this is probably just one of those weird fantasy moments that happens in a movie that's just there to, like, have you emotionally experience what a character is thinking as they're dying. Um, can, but, I go on a, can I go on a slight tangent? Because I was going to bring this up, but now you naturally <laughs> brought it up. Uh, but I, I, list, I, when I was listening to Shape of Water, I, like, legitimately was like, I did not get the fact that there was like some kind of flow pro ending to the shape of water. I was like that the end, the, the opening and the ending book in the shape of water is the most fairy tale aspect of that movie. And I was like, of course he gets with her like that. Guillermo del Toro sold the whole movie on the fact that like he saw a creature from the black lagoon and wished that the creature got with the girl. And he's like, you know, it took me 46 years, but now I got to make this movie. Um, and and even Sarah was like, yeah, like I didn't get that at all. So we were like, kind of, we were kind of like taken aback a little bit that you guys were both like so steadfast and like that this was this didn't happen. You know, I, like I wasn't the, so steadfast. I well, you just, know, like, you know I what think I mean. Chris's interpretation I, is a reasonable one. I'm steadfast. Yeah. <laughs> well, steadfast. anyway, I have a uh, uh, Sarah was at work and she told like some co She was trying to get trying to gauge to see if anyone else had the same take on that ending. Um, and they all, uh, th- this is the, uh, this is the statement that they gave her to give to me, to give to you, <laughs> which is straight from the clearances department of Disney Century Fox, which is, um, the script did not read that way. Tell them the studio says that is wrong and they're dumb. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Burn. Send me yeah. the last page. Well, no, the, the script doesn't have to read. Oh, she definitely did. <laughs> like, you got to read between the lines. <laughs> the the script to Inception doesn't say the top falls or stays up. I like how he's still trying to be like, my hot take is good. <laughs> I think, and this isn't the review it's... of The Shape of Water, let alone a spoiler <laughs> section for The Shape of Water. But I will say, I think but it I, is but the I nature will... of a fairy tale where it doesn't matter if it really happened or not. And I think that is my take on The Shape of Water, and I stand by it. But but speaking of creature sex, Luke does milk uh, a nipple in this <laughs> to drink some green titty milk. <laughs> I like that moment. 
I, I thought I that moment was hilarious. Yeah. I, I, the I'm the down, best part I'm is d- when the creature looks at Ray afterwards. Is <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. yeah, that just happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, the creature's like making eye contact while it's going on. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm down with know Luke. That's not milk. <laughs> I'm down with Luke milking some weird creatures and uh, you know get, catching some big ass fish and stuff. But yeah, so yeah. so now back to the other segmented line that you were kind of uh, talking about. It's a good bridge into another point I wanted to talk about is. Carson, you made the statement that they should have killed Finn in this film. Yeah, I would have. I would have been like, okay, I'll I'll slow clap for you on that one. But here's the thing: is Finn tries to sacrifice himself, yeah, and there is nothing within the context of this film that does not say that Finn's sacrifice wouldn't have worked. Script wise, we would have had to have a different ending. We wouldn't get to see Ray's triumphant moment of moving the rocks with her force powers and uh, freaking the, the the crazy scene with Luke transporting his essence to go fight Kylo Ren <laughs> in image form. But like, yeah, we don't know that Finn crashing his thing inside that cannon would not have disabled the cannon. Well, like, he probably would have held him off for a little bit and then, you know. Yeah, yeah, but like I, so, I'm just so saying that like have, the movie, we, the movie does not take as many risks as a lot of people are defending it for, saying that it's unique and bold and idiosyncratic for for taking it into new territory and stuff. And I was like, what new territory? Like this is this is like I feel like just you know business as usual on the Star Wars front. So I do, um, I think it is true in the plot of the film. It's not clear that Finn's sacrifice wouldn't have worked but i think thematically maybe almost too neatly it would have been really weird and annoying if that were how it happened because literally the whole thing being hammered in the movie over and over again is like these like big hothead hero moments are not going to work don't do them right like don't turn off the helmet and ignore your supervisor and barrel on in because you want to be the hero like Thematically, that'd be but, but so for, weird. First, first I, I was getting all, really when, annoyed when I thought that was going to happen and he was going to save the day because it's like, why but, but, did but we when, get that parallel scene in the beginning where Oscar Isaac does that and then everybody dies because of his like? But it's, so it's it's a hundred percent different in all three cases because when Luke does it, turns off his helmet and barrels in, he saves the day. <laughs> they blow up the Death Star, right? Mm-hmm. When Poe does it, the problem is that. Not that it, the problem is that other people died because he wanted to continue with the strike. Right. And the lesson he learns is that he accomplished his goal at, at, at what sacrifice? What sacrifice? That's the lesson he learns. Poe, everyone else had broken off. If anything, he endangered the life of Rose, who tried to save his, right? Mm-hmm. But him, let's say he gets to within 20 feet and the cannon goes off and just vaporizes Ray. Or not Ray, sorry. <laughs> and vaporizes Finn. No one else had to die. Yeah, but I feel like one Finn. one theme of this movie would be like, you're no good to us if you're dead. Be a team player. But, Join but, the team. But it's, but it's a different lesson than what Poe went through and what Luke didn't learn when I he actually saved I just feel like if you combine what Poe learned... And what they all collectively learn in their attempt to go off alone when it turns out Laura Dern got this. And, like, 
So here's the thing, like not only Ballora Dern ain't got nothing. <laughs> no, but the only reason people die is because of Finn and Rose going on that excursion, bringing Benicio del Toro, who sells everybody out. Like Finn and Rose are literally the reason like anything went wrong in this mission. Yeah, they not only didn't do anything good, they like fucked up everybody because they wanted to be the heroes who go out alone and they weren't being like team players and like this whole movie is undercutting that like act of lone heroism of i'm a barrel in this i'm gonna save the day all by myself but but here's the thing though is he realizes he fucked up and what he's doing is sacrificing himself to try to unfuck the thing that he ruined Right. Like it's him taking responsibility for his action, realizing that it's all his fault, that lots of people have died because of him. And that if he can now in this last ditch effort, use his life to save the people who he endangered, he can somehow correct the wrong that he did. Like when 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 Rose saves him, he's not upset that like he's not going to get credit for finally being awesome. (laughs) He is upset because he thought he had it like he thought he could do something to fix the problem. And she saved him. Mm-hmm. And he's that... upset because Rose Tico made a move on him. And he's like, I'm into Ray. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I was saying to some people at the film that like, yeah, I, I totally thought he was like later when he hugs Ray that he's gonna be like, whoa, I have a girlfriend. now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think the movie plays it where this would be a good move. I feel like everything in the echoes of that moment say, if we've learned anything from this movie, it's that like that would not be a good move. But so, so and like if you contrast that to how Luke quote saves the day in this movie, it is in the more like defensive way. He doesn't barrel in and kill everybody. He doesn't blow stuff up. He just stalls. That's all he's good for. Is he's he's going to stall people. He's going to give them a chance to escape. But so here, here's here's my question is. Let's pretend that Rose in Saving Finn dies and can't deliver her. We shouldn't be trying to kill people we hate, but save the people we love or whatever her line is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then does it, a, it, like a Talia al Ghul death where she's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's still alive. She's just going to go inside the I weird know, water she's pressure still suit. Yeah, no, but yeah, so, yeah. So, so my thing is that like if she dies rescuing Finn and cannot deliver that line, that is all for nothing. So this is purely a script thing. This is purely a thing written so somebody can deliver a line and do this weird, awkward kiss. There is, n- like, if, if, you, if you do, like, a, a, a mapping diagram of, like, how the thing, like, he does this, it works or doesn't work. Uh, when he's trying to do it, she either stops him or does Like, if you branch out the trees, only the way it happens in the film is there even anything, quote-unquote, good about what happens. If anything changes along the way she dies in the thing he succeeds in the thing any if anything changes it was all for nothing and it's a complete waste of time but it's written in this way so that she can say this line so she can teach finn a lesson and i think that that is weak writing because he's given the chance to do something that probably would have succeeded and is stopped so he can learn a lesson by a character who could have died teaching him the lesson, but if she died, she couldn't have taught him. Like, it's just, it falls apart as you try to work your way backwards to the source of what the scene is trying to do. And I think that is problematic to me. Like, it, it upset me in the context of the film because I was like, this was a great moment for Finn to try to make up for what he did, and you took it from him for not a good reason. I, I guess my only difference is that whole scenario, including him deciding to charge at the cannon, to me is overly heavy-handed 
writing because it's just an echo of things we've already learned before. Like we've already metaphorically seen Finn ignore orders to be defensive so he can barrel into the big bad and believe he can explode it, right? Like that's literally like what that whole arc that he goes through with Rose is, is this attempt of the two of them to like secretly on the side go out so they can go straight into the big dangerous machine that is threatening people and explode it rather than run away. And instead they run away. Like first, you know, they run away in a ship and then they literally run away from the cannon that is trying to explode them. Like it it just feels repetitive in a way where I don't think anything is gained from that second arc happening. Like it feels like it's way too intent on like, let me hammer this theme at you and, like, that's kind of what you're saying, because the way Rose saves him is so she can reiterate the theme again. But it, yeah, just all of it to me feels like a little too intentional, like I'm writing to pass a moral on to the audience. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with uh, you, Stephen, though, about the, uh, like, the Rose-Finn subplot and how uh, uh, that... That and all the other, like, space stuff just felt, you know, that's what kind of made this movie, to me, feel like more of, like, a filler movie. Like, nothing was really, no questions were really answered or anything was really progressed forward that much in the story. It was just kind of like, well, it felt like they were coming up with things purposely to, for them to solve and to do. Like, you know, just kind of silly things like, well, we gotta wait here and have the First Order ships just kill us all you know they're free you know they're the, basically they're basically just the giant ta- lamb camel things right yeah <laughs> they're just like tap you know uh uh poe and laura dern are all just kind of tapping their watches going like i hope they get back soon like <laughs> um and then uh, you know and then the, you have like um you know we didn't really talk about the the very opening of the movie which is like the big you know there's big space battle and stuff between the resistance and the first order and it's just all these like faceless people that I, you know, you don't care about blowing up. And that's just kind of like how, you know, Laura Dern is just like sending all these like just waves of ships to like shoot at the the bad guys. And they're just all like, oh, like Godspeed. And they blow up. And she's all like, oh, and they're like, should we send more? And she's like, OK, sure. Like, I, it's just like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, I think that scene is actually constructed well at the beginning. Like the idea of send the lone ship to antagonize them then use some weird new booster jet when you could have just light-speeded in, but whatever, it's cool. Super I mean, booster all that... jet come in to, to yeah. bypass the the length of the turrets that would be fought. At. Like, there, there's a lot of cool, interesting things that are happening with the way that scene is planned out. And once again, that really sets off to, like, all of the resistance is here. But, this but... fight did not go so well. We're fucked. Lightspeed jump, oh shit! Battlestar Galactica style, they're following us through our lightspeed jumps. Like yeah. that, like I, I, I was like, stakes are good. We're 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 on board. Like mm-hmm. we fucked. Like, yeah, I, I like that part just fine for the mo- even though I do believe the the sacrifices of individual people were not as like heavily felt as they could have been. But I do think this echoed what Rogue One tried to do, which was make the war more like a war. And yeah. this definitely was more the war movie feeling of, like, the futility. They're they're effectively in, like, a space trench in this movie, True. right? They're yeah, like, yeah. we are yeah. too close for them to do a ton of damage, 
but in the meantime, it's just a war of attrition where we're slowly losing our numbers. Yeah, yeah. and I like I, I think that work like for the most part, the war parts of this film work for me, if not for the interpersonal dynamic of like that rascal Poe going against orders, like like that just didn't feel tonally consistent with the rest of the broader war. Otherwise, this would have been the you know this would have been like Aragorn at Helm's Deep or something. Like, this would be like by the way, while our favorite heroes or whatever are having their journey our other people are slowly dying like and that helps build the suspense for when is the big thing going to happen yeah 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 i mean basically all the stuff in space was super boring and um except for uh benicio del toro i wanted more of him man like he <laughs> uh, you're you're alone in that <laughs> yeah sorry benicio well bunch of benicio del snoro is what i call him wow I just wow. think he's in another movie. He's in, like, yeah, Guardians dude, of the Galaxy yeah, he, right now. He's literally yeah. playing his Guardians of the Galaxy character. He's, uh, he's auditioning to be in Valerian. Uh, <laughs> he was like, this is Valerian, right? Like, no, this is Star Wars. And I was like, okay, well, I'll still act like Porky Pig. Um, but I, I want, like, him, like, I wanted more of that. Like, him and more Adam Driver, please. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought all that stuff was great. Like... I'm with you on Adam Driver. I don't I don't think Benicio del Toro belongs in this movie and I think the level of him that is in it is just enough to be like that was kind of weird but not enough to like justify it. Well, in I'm any sure big in episode way. 9 he'll actually be the collector and they're like, "Whoa, it's a crossover." <laughs> they better not. <laughs> hmm. I, I still by the way, Synergy. just like tiny nitpick, I don't understand how he knew enough to sell out the the rebels in that big twist i mean yeah i mean i I, like he doesn't seem involved in anything like if he could have sold it out why did not any other person on that ship already know what they were doing so i i don't think there's necessarily anything on screen to explain it but i buy that him having knowledge of the like he has the radio communication that's happening alone like he knows from the conversation they're happening about like poe yelling like hey she's trying to do this bullshit while we're trying to do this thing, blah, blah, blah. He has enough information to want to, like, to realize that there's something there that he can leverage. And since he's already hacking into the First Order's ships, why could he not also hack into the ships of the Resistance? Like, I I don't believe it's on screen, but I think the way he could do it is definitely there. Like, I, it didn't bother me. Like, I bought it. I just feel like he's an extension of the movie's strange desire to have some parallel with current social political things where he's like arms dealers right and it's like okay cool this yeah. is star wars <laughs> i don't <laughs> I, I don't need to hear about the ethical dilemma of an arms dealer yeah. right now it should have been uh <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, totally. Should have been him. Yeah, no, I'm in. What's his face? Uh, War Dogs. Um, oh, was, you want Jonah Hill in War Dogs? Jonah Hill in War Dogs. Yeah, I'm a hacker guy. <laughs> yeah, and everybody didn't like Jonah Hill in that movie either. Oh man. Now, if I can give this movie credit, I really enjoyed the little dinosaur nun creatures, like the frog nuns on the oh, island. Yeah. They made me laugh every They're- time they were on. They're they're fun. Yeah, I, I feel like all that stuff is where the like 
I mean, that's obviously the center of the the backlash between, I guess, like the hardcore fanboys who are just like they they shit on this legacy and did Luke wrong, and it's just like I don't know how you're complaining about this movie when you know it's like they did the same thing with the prequels. You know, they did the same thing with Force Awakens for being too much like A New Hope. And it's just like, I, I don't know. It's funny because like people are, people are like, I feel like praising it for the wrong reasons and then complaining about it for the wrong reasons. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. We just need to get off. I mean, it's like the one good thing from net neutrality is that maybe people just get off Twitter. Like they won't just have to, they'll have to pay for it. They'll be like, well, I guess I'll have to force off of it. That's the only good thing because we need to, we just need to ban Twitter. I think it's just turned into Arkham Asylum. I don't know. Clearly nobody else agrees. As long as as Wattpad still works. Yeah, I mean, I I think people who are upset at that, like, are the target of one of the themes that I think is neatly done in this movie, which is letting go of the past, right? Like, if A New Hope, or sorry, The Force Awakens was saying, like, look, this nostalgic thing is back. This movie is saying, now let's untether and go somewhere else. And funny enough, both the good guys and the bad guys have that message, right? Like Kylo Ren says, sometimes you have to kill the past to to make way for the future. And Luke kind of learns that same lesson of like, let the past burn. The past isn't there. It's about the hope that we bring that matters. Literally, literally, literally let the past burn. And like in, in a script that I do think sometimes was too heavy handed. I thought that was actually thematically well done. Like it ties well to the last movie and it lets the next movie probably be, more of its own thing, right? Like, Luke is gone. We can assume that because of the details, at least, of how the world works, Leia will not be heavily featured in Episode Nine. So we will kind of have this untethered new thing. And it also broke the it broke the echoes of Empire because this did all of the scenes that you would expect from Empire and from Return of the Jedi. It, like, kind of shoved them together. And so now there's not really going to be, like, an echo for the next movie to have. And I'm I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I I did like that that Ryan Johnson kind of did some things that uh, that everyone you know kind of uh, was just sort of profusely theorizing for over the last two years, like oh, like what's Luke gonna do when she gets to the island? Like who are Ray's parents? Like some of these questions that they really like were theorizing on. I did like that he kind of was just like, oh, yeah, like, Ray's parents, yeah, your parents were just like two nobodies, you know, two drunks yeah. or whatever. I like um, that. And they don't pay off like this is who Snoke is. They're just like, he's just a guy and now he's dead. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, I, I like that. It, did, it didn't try to build this like and, grand mythology of paying off who yeah. is related al- to whom. And also like the, the stuff with on the island, like, uh, you know, they're there you know when they first meet and he just like throws the lightsaber away and he basically doesn't really train her like it's not it's does that doesn't really go it doesn't go the way you think not quite <laughs> because you know i think a lot of people were expecting like big training montages or you know at least more of of that and there really isn't a whole lot of that um but the the only thing that's dumb is that uh, unfortunately i feel like since people will complain loud enough about it that they they did leave the door open slightly where they could easily change this right they could course correct where what do you, you mean well like you know instead of 
you know, they could be like, well, Kylo Ren was lying. Your parents are actually Ben Kenobi. You know what I mean? Like, they could yeah, easily so, so his do that. Is. And which I think would be stupid if they did, like, just to cater to the to the people who were butthurt about stuff like that. They, they left it open, but, like, there's no... We have no reason to disbelieve what uh, Kylo Ren says to her. Like, we... We believe whole cloth what she says about having seen him and his ability to turn to the light side. So why would we disbelieve the thing that he says to her? Like, he is not trying... Like, uh, Snoke was trying to manipulate uh, both of them to get his end goal. Kylo is never trying to manipulate Rey. He's simply trying to convince her, come with me, understand what I'm doing. I'm not part of this. I'm not part of that. I'm my own thing. We can rule together. We are these powerful beings. Please join me, right? He's never trying to fake her out. And I think, like, the fact that he says to her, you've always known it, like, he's 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 letting her realize it herself, not, like, trying to be like, oh, yeah, I looked it up, you're adopted, huh? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. there, there's a sense that he, he gains nothing by lying to us, the audience, in that moment. Yeah, so, it, w- it would be a very... Stupid yeah. cop out. Yeah. If they no, I, out. I, I agree, um, but I could see them doing that, and it would mm-hmm. be really dumb. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just refuse to believe that they're doing. It. It's like, it's like another thing is, you know, we were, we were talking uh, over over dinner um, after the movie was over, and I was saying that like they what the, one thing they have established is that there is that like it, it, to me the way I interpreted it is that like in the past there has been this idea that like the force has a balance to it but that people have to take it upon themselves to help balance the force when it is unbalanced. And I think that there's a moment where Snoke talks about like the, the force awoken in Ray because Kylo had gained so much power and that that a, that uh, doubles down on the fact that Ray has no special parents, that it's just like the force took it upon itself to, become available to another person because there was one thing gaining so much power in the universe. And Snoke says this to Kylo, like to say like, Hey, she was gaining power. I linked your brains together. This was me. Uh, now kill her. Right. Like, yeah, no, I mean, he's like that. It can't be a lie for the audience. Cause why? Like the filmmakers, uh, like Ryan Johnson gains nothing from putting those words into Snoke's mouth to misdirect us he can only build the world by explaining that to us in in a film that is supposed to give us deeper understanding about the way the force works and i think that to assume that he's lying to assume that ray's parents still matter in the story is a waste of time yeah but carson's on board i agree i agree agree. chris Chris is just telling fanboys yeah yeah i'm telling i'm telling listeners right now and haters back off yeah yeah um, no, I mean, like, I totally agree. And like, I don't think Ryan Johnson meant any misdirect. I just don't want them. I, I could see them doing that studio mandate coming down, being like, we got to change this. I mean, cause like, look, I mean, everyone bitch keeps bitching so loud about the DC movies and they're completely changing those. And it's when they should just be like, fuck you. We're just going to do our own thing. Like we're not going to be Marvel. We're going to be fucking the odds superhero movies. And if you like it, fine. If you don't, you're still going to see it, so whatever. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but, but that that is, I think, the just why I, you know, 
I, I could see them doing that, and I think that would be that would be pretty lame. Even I mean, I wouldn't really care as much, but I mean, I would uh, I would really just be like, come on, like you know, you can't you can't please anybody, everybody, and um, yeah, I don't I, I don't know, but well, yeah. and I would hope they don't learn negative lessons from this because it it's doing well critically i think for the most part audiences are liking it too i think the the fanboy voice can be loud on the internet but on a whole i think this movie delivered pretty well so hopefully the the small risks that ryan johnson took won't be negatively like you know there's not gonna be any knee-jerk reaction against those hopefully they inch out toward more interesting things yeah Yeah, i mean because like most stuff online is only like i mean it's only a handful of it's not the majority opinion, although I did see that the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is like a 58. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Damn. Yeah. That seems crazy. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, we, we, we... Go, go ahead. No, so I was just going to briefly say they haven't released... Uh, I just looked it up. They haven't released the cinema score yet, which is uh, um, usually a good indicator of, like, regular movie-going audiences, what they, what they think of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, yeah. That was all I was gonna say. All right. Well, we we spent an hour and thirty seven minutes kind of talking shit about a film that I think has some genuinely great moments in it. So let's yeah. let's let's try to get to things that I assume and hope we're all on the same page about. But uh, so like let's just try to talk about some things that like we thought were great. So start us off. The death of Snoke. Sure. Great. Sure. Yeah. That that oh. whole that whole battle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The battle. fight. The fight with the palace guards in red or whatever they're called. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, that, all that great. Was... That that was all well done. That was what I wanted from this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that scene is just so great because like we 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 we've seen we've seen how reckless Kylo Ren is and how like there's a moment earlier in the film where where he just tries to stand up and get in in uh, Snoke's face and Snake Snoke just opens his hand gives like the littlest shock of electricity and just throws throws like Kylo Ren like across the room. Mm-hmm. We've seen him from another ship from his goddamn projection on the bridge to take Hux and just slam him to the ground and <laughs> yeah. spin him around Huck, on the bridge. Like Hux gets thrown around a lot in this movie, which is pretty hilarious. He get Adam Driver pushes him into a wall at the end, which is yeah, uh, yeah. pretty great. But like we've seen this seemingly unlimited power that Snoke has and we know that in a fair fight, Kylo Ren cannot take him out. Mm-hmm. And just the idea to use his hubris and his belief that he has won the day by manipulating Kylo Ren to do the most badass sleight of hand mm-hmm. force trickery to just like tilt this saber and just turn it on. Just turn on the saber. Fucking badass. Yeah. Like this, I, I just yeah. wanted to like stand up and go like, Fuck yeah. And yeah. I was glad too because that so that moment wasn't a big surprise to me. Like I felt like clearly like if one of two people are gonna die right here and it's probably not gonna be Ray. So like <laughs> I was ready for that even as much as I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But what I was pleasantly surprised by was the second double cross of oh and he's not just gonna like waltz out of here with Ray now and have changed sides. Like yeah. he's still gonna be his own bad self. And I, I was glad for that because there was a moment while they were fighting together where I was like, yeah. are they going to try to make him be, like, redeemed? Because who's going to be the bad guy next movie? Yeah. No, and I, I, I was glad that they made him still be this, like, force that wants to take control and want power. I still – I still I, – I believe it less now. But, 
leaving my two screenings in one night of The Force Awakens back when it happened, I was wholly convinced that this trilogy will end with Rey on the dark side and Kylo Ren on the good side. Hmm. That is like my, that was my tunnel vision, like this is how things will go. And now I think maybe, because like in The Force Awakens, it leans a lot of heavy, a lot heavier on the darkness that is within Rey. Like she constantly is unable to control her rage. Like even the times that she actually does well against against Kylo Ren in the forest when they fight, it's her like like there's anger in it, right? Like yeah. there there is a a rage that allows her to be that strong, and that is like you know, rage and fear given to the dark side and blah 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 blah. And I've always seen Rey as succumbing to the power that she is able to wield and becoming evil. And Kylo Ren has always struggled with the good that is inherently in him. And I feel like it's in just it's it's an obvious reversal that I want I, I, I want, but I believe will happen. I think this film steps on that a little bit and sort of says like we're not concerned with telling that story. Doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. I'm still holding out like it's like it's my version of shipping. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're just gonna reverse sides and this will like some crate like I I just I see something happening in the future, maybe. Yeah, so my my problem with those interpretations, and we kind of talked about it last night, is I don't think any movie franchise in the history of anything has been capable of taking a person who has been demonstrably bad in, like, a way of, like, being violent or murderous or otherwise and making them be good. Yeah. Unless they die immediately after the good thing that they do. So, like, if he... That's why, like, him doing a good thing, I was like... Does that mean he's about to die? Because he's not going to just be good and then march yeah. off and have a new movie where he's a good guy. Like, that's just not going to happen. But you'd also, we yeah, could. Yeah, what is, what is this? Fate of the Furious? Jason Statham just going to join the team? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, we, we could end up with a scene once again uh, mir- mirroring the, the original films where, where Ray is the Vader. Kylo is the Obi-Wan and he decides to just let Vader kill him, right? <laughs> or not kill him, but decides to like disapparate into the ether of force. No, or like maybe there'll be a kind of uh Mount Doom situation where there's or like a a spoilers for Lord hand. of the Yeah, spoilers <laughs> for Lord of the Rings, but there's a like semi intentional, semi not reversal <laughs> at the end where the good person doesn't wind up being as good as they could have been in the end, and then, like, the bad person kind of... Anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There are things that can happen thematically. I just think, like, the universe of places where we've seen Kylo Ren unceremoniously murder a village of people, that, like, precludes any future where he's redeemed for more than two minutes, I yeah, think. Yeah, so, yeah. So, speaking of Kylo Ren destroying a village of people... How do you guys feel about the uh, the truth behind the story of Luke being the one that created Kylo Ren and not Snoke? That Luke, in his his attempting, like his moment of weakness, fearing that, like his moment of weakness because of the fear that he felt because of what he saw inside of Kylo, thought he could murder him, decided not to, but it was too late because Kylo woke up, realized what was happening. And fucking went ape shit. Like I, I thought it was okay because it's not the truth. I think splits the difference a little bit. Like he says, Kylo Ren had already been getting corrupted by Snoke when that happened. Yeah, and he could sense that, and that's what made him be worried. 
And so, like, he had a moment of hesitation, but he wasn't actually going to kill him. So I, it's a little bit of both. Like, they both created Kylo Ren. And I think that's fine. Like, maybe there's an alternate universe where he would have been a stronger teacher that kept him on the right path. But he also didn't single-handedly make him either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that was well done. Like, that that avoided either cliche. Like, it kept a good, like, gray area where Luke has something to atone for. And he arguably does by the end of the movie. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was a neatly, neatly wrapped thing. But I think, like, some people have complained about, like, like Luke wouldn't go off into into exile alone and i think that like mark hamill himself has said said that like when he read the script he's like whoa luke wouldn't do this like this is crazy um but i think that like i totally buy in the context of this story i mean as told by ryan johnson like i'm i'm totally on board this idea of him making a mistake and then just being like this is not like i no one should be teaching anybody (laughs) like I, i don't know i i i I like the way it handled the explanation for what happened in the past. And I love that both of them have this vision of what happened in their time. And like the idea that two people could be right in their memory and, and uh, yeah, it just, I, it was, it was really interesting. And, and Ray being caught in the middle of that, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a really interesting, uh, yeah. Just take on that whole situation. Yeah. I li- I like that. Even with Mark Hamill's, I would say, like, odd acting. I, <laughs> I liked all of the Ray, Ren, Luke subplot. That was yeah. all great. Every every bit of what was revealed in the past, it, it paid off people's hopes that the story of the Knights of Ren would be told without overdoing it in a way that, like, overly mythologized things. Like, I, yeah, that was all great. Yeah. I mean, I, one de- definitely does wonder what happened moments after. <laughs> Like, in classical Chinese fashion, I'm like, what did he say to that group of people? It's like, okay, so guys, Luke's tried to kill me. Let's murder everyone and get cool suits. Yeah. I mean, that's a good pitch. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Seems, seems strong. Seems strong. You've no. all seen him, like, harassing that animal, right? <laughs> he probably just came in and was like, you better join my team. Yeah. Yeah. Luke's holding me back. <laughs> He's holding me back. You carry me apart, Lisa. Uh, I did like the fight, kind of the, the fight at the end between um, fake Luke and, and Adam Driver. For a second there, I was like, oh shit, Adam Driver going to kill off another beloved Star Wars character. That's just what he does now. Um, mm-hmm. But then it was, I mean, but, but there was like, I like that, but then, you know, that was also very much a moment, especially where they're all firing at Luke, and then he sort of dusts himself off. Like, that was very much a, like, applause here moment. Yeah, I, um, I was glad, though, that it kind of rectified that by at least, like, showing the sleight of hand involved. Yeah, yeah. I was going right. to be real... I wasn't going to be really mad, but I was going to be a little annoyed if there was no sleight of hand, and it's just like, yep, he's just that good. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman, the shit. But, out I, of but I like that's the, the thing. That yeah. was like, if, if if when when the when the red dust cleared, if he was holding a saber, I'd be like, okay, he just deflected all that shit, right? Like, I'm like, oh, he's just super badass, right? Like, mm. I was kind of like, but like the fact that he wasn't even holding a saber or anything, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Did he like? There, there's there's a scene in old Dragon Ball Z cartoons when like Goku first arrives on Namek and a bunch of people throw a bunch of shit at him and he just screams at it and it explodes in front of him and I was just like oh this is fucking turned into Dragon Ball Z what the hell is happening here yeah. 
But I, but I liked, you know, their confrontation. It looked cool, and Adam Driver yeah. was like, "You're not sorry." He's like, oh. "He's like, you're the last, last Jedi." He said, the, <laughs> I he, said the, that was... he said the title very obnoxiously. It was like, it was pretty funny. That that was that was one of a number of set pieces that I think were very well designed. Like I like the snow planet with the red dust. Yeah, flying yeah. up. I think that had there was uh, a lot I of like interesting salt planet. Sure. There was a lot of interesting reds in this movie. There was the moment when they first see the salt that I thought that was blood that had dripped off of the guy and another guy just like licks it goes like <laughs> salty. <laughs> this is yeah. weird. But anyway, I I like the visual look. Even like we were kind of ragging on the uh the big casino planet where the arms dealers live and I don't like narratively why they went there and I don't think it fit into this movie but I like the set design of that too like to me that was one of the many new kind of Star Wars universes you yeah. can have it was it was more Guardians of the Galaxy-ish but like I'm fine with that like there's going to be a ton of these movies I want I want something new so also, just in general I thought he did well with all the new set designs Also I giggled too much but I loved the drunk alien dude putting coins into BB-8 thinking it was a slot machine. <laughs> dude, <laughs> BB... It was the best gag. BB-8 uh, really saved Finn and Rose, like, pretty much the whole movie. It was just like, oh, good thing BB-8's here because... Well, he's, he yeah. saves Poe, too. Yeah, he's just, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Though you could argue that if he didn't reactivate the blasters on Poe's X-Wing that he would have had to retreat and would have saved a lot more of the resistance people. Uh, obviously. I think there needs to be a Jar Jar type theory where BB-8 is actually like a Sith. <laughs> well, they, the, his Sith counterpart is that... that yeah, uh, black BB-8. The black BB-8. BB-9E is what he's called, apparently. Mm. Yeah. They didn't even... I thought they'd have like a showdown. They didn't even have that. I was like, whatever. I, I did like the imagery, though, at the end when they reveal that Luke is like... You know, he's back, he's back on the island, he's doing his, like, his yoga pose, you know, midair. And some of the, especially, like, before he, before he kind of, like, farts and then goes off into the wind, like, that <laughs> some of the, like, the sky imagery and stuff, that, I mean, that looked cool, for sure. But, like, <laughs> it was kind of funny when they cut to him and he's just all like, oh, and we're like, <laughs> oh, he's finally getting to shit now. <laughs> he just, he just, it was like a record scratch and then, and then that, that's actually what that platform is made of. Yeah. All master Jedis, they shit as they die and oh, it yeah. makes that platform a little bit taller. Yeah. yeah. He was like, we out here, fam. <laughs> and I'm back as a ghost to the next one. Probably. I think that's the, that's the appropriate tone to leave this podcast. <laughs> I will say, I will say though, I just remembered probably the worst, worse than um, Carrie Fisher floating in space, CG Leah, Leah, um, dude, the dumb wiener kids in this movie. What the hell? Joanna like, it, thought you might not like it, them. <laughs> it ends, it ends on these kids, and you're like, I don't care. And then also, it's like Ryan Johnson. What the fuck? You cast like one of the best kid actors in Looper, and then like, where'd you find these kids? Like, just cast that kid again. Like, I don't know. I was like, so, these kids uh, suck so, so much. Like the kid at the end, he's like, he's like staring at the camera. I was like, why were we focusing on this kid? I don't care. So you the know? thing is, my my belief was that those kids are fine because my view of the ending of this movie was just hope has returned. Right, we get to watch them carry down the new stories of how crazy cool. Luke had been 
and that's all it is. It's, it's like thematically, look, we have new stories to tell now. But right. Luke or not, <laughs> Chris pointed out <laughs> that the kid actually uses the force to get a broom at the end. Yeah, he does. He does. Which means the kids are maybe going to actually show up in the next movie, and I'm not down for that. That would be terrible. But, but we could also haven't get, we like, learned from Anakin? But but we could also get some sort of time <laughs> jump that takes us like forward x number of years. Um, right, like right, and like also in, like in episode two where. Anakin's all of a sudden 20, you know. I'm not 10 years old anymore, Natalie. Um, Noise. But but you, but you, Chris, you mentioned something which I think is why, you know, they show these kids in the movie. Uh, is because, you know, you said, like, that, you know, Ray, her parents weren't anything special, but it was, like, supposed to show, like, obviously the Force works in mysterious ways or whatever you were saying like that. I think that was just to show that like, Oh, like these kids too, not really anything special, but like they have been gifted with the, the force, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, but it was just like so weird to end on that note and they were already so distracting. Like even when they didn't have any lines and they were just like hiding in like the, the like weird horse animal stables, it was just like, Oh man, like just like their look was like very, like, 2017 annoying look, like, little kids who probably just are like, oh, I want to be a star, and you're just like, ugh. Like, they just don't look like actors. They just look like, it takes you out. And, I mean, like, those kids are also in Blade Runner 2049, probably, like, the one bad component of that movie, like, when, you know, uh, they showed, like, Ryan Gosling when he was younger and stuff. And I was like, why did they cast these dumb kids? But anyway. All, all I have to yeah. say, Carson, is you got a dick. If you really need better children, start making some. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's fired. Damn. No, I'm good though. I don't I don't I don't need that. I, I got we Sarah and I got a cat now. That's all that's all I need. That's uh I don't need a kid, that's for sure. What's the cat's name? Uh it's Tabby. Her name is Tabby. She actually looks like a, a porg. So I was that was what was really delighting me. Uh, she looks like a porg, and she also looks like Jared Leto in uh, Blade Runner. Because <laughs> her, her eyes are kind of cloudy. She had surgery on her eyes, so... You bought a blind cat? No, he's, she's not blind. She just had surgery on her eyes, so they're cloudy. She can see fine, but they look... Her eyes look cloudy. Uh, but they look very Leto-ish in, uh, in uh, 2049. Uh, the, well, I think we better Leto go this episode. <laughs> Oh man, we don't, shouldn't have a kid now.